HuntStand is the most popular and functional mobile hunting app on the market. With a variety of base maps to choose from, satellite imagery that is updated every month, the ability to check the weather, no property information, and even catalog your trail cam picks, HuntStand even gives you the ability to import pins and location markers from other mobile apps. Visit HuntStand.com or download wherever you download your apps. Enter discount code SN20 at checkout for 20% off. Hey guys and gals, welcome to the Oklahoma Outdoor Podcast, where you will be educated, entertained, and equipped to get more out of your outdoor experience. So hold on tight, because here we go. What's up everybody? Welcome to the show. This is the Oklahoma Outdoors Podcast, and I want to start this show off just by saying I hope everybody out there listening is okay. We had that terrible round of storms come through on Monday, and uh, man, I saw several tornadoes touch down. Poor, poor Jacksboro, Texas, man. Uh, I saw the, the tornado hit their school, completely collapse their gym, um, and I just know several people were affected by it, and so I really hope everybody's okay. My prayers go out to you, of course. Um, so yeah, I know there was a terrible, terrible round of storms and I hope everybody made it. If you guys follow me on Instagram, you might've seen my picture of my poor nieces and nephews trampling in a tree in their front yard. Um, it really didn't do too much damage going into the tree. I guess it was picked up and kind of, you know, tossed over there, but unfortunately trying to get it out of the tree, it basically crumbled and is now destroyed. And so my poor nieces and nephews are now, are now trampolineless. Um, but I know there's a lot more people out there that lost a whole lot more than that. So truly my heart goes out to you. If there's anything I can do for you, please reach out to me. And, uh, yeah, we're going to continue to pray for you guys and help you guys out. So, so yeah, um, we got a lot to cover here in my little intro. So we're going to dive right into it. Um, man, ever since the bad weather on Monday, spring has sprung. It's been pretty beautiful the last couple days. And with spring comes application season and preference point season. Uh, in fact, a couple states have already closed, including Dadgum Utah, who decided to move their application period up this year for some reason, and I didn't know about it. So I actually missed out on my Utah point. Uh, this would have been my third year getting a preference point there. Um, so yeah, just flat out dropped the ball on that. They just moved it up a little bit than they normally have it. Uh, so I missed out on Utah, but Yesterday, I officially applied for my Colorado elk tag. I've talked about it on here a couple times. My buddy Jasper and I are going on a late season, fourth season Colorado elk hunt. And so we officially applied yesterday. I had to burn a couple points. It's really not that hard of a tag to draw. Um, but unfortunately that's just kind of what I had to do in order to go. But if I get an elk, like I am a okay burning those points. And so, so yeah, put in for Colorado. Um, and then I forgot that I, uh, I forgot to go for a deer preference point. So I had to go back in and do that. So Colorado's taken care of. If you are interested in a Oklahoma controlled hunt, that application opens April 1st. I believe it runs for the whole month of April and so uh, you'll have about a week or so when this podcast comes out to do your homework and uh, and get in there and apply for controlled hunts. I always feel weird telling you guys about that because I'm basically giving myself more competition on all these hunts, but I just feel like it's my duty to let you guys know. Like That's the whole point of this podcast is to inform you guys on things happening in Oklahoma, so... So yeah, you're warned. Go ahead and apply. Uh, I believe Kansas opens the same day, April 1st. Um, If you just want a preference point, not to actually hunt, uh, but just a preference point, I believe Wyoming is June 1st. I believe Montana is July 1st. Uh, I think Iowa is June 1st. Uh, Let's see here. Uh, If you want to go hunt Idaho, most likely tags are already sold out for elk. Um, they, they keep moving it earlier and earlier. I think they go on sale now, like December 1st or something of the previous year. Um, so those, those are the over counter, the, uh, sorry, over the counter tags. Um, but if you want to put in for a draw hunt, it's actually not too late. I believe the deadline there is like May 1st. So if you want to go, uh, for a draw hunt in Idaho, there is no preference point system there. It's considered a true draw. Um, New Mexico is the same way. I don't know when their deadline is. 
Um, what else? Uh, Alaska's weird. They do theirs like November, December, something like that. Uh, and I know there's plenty of other states that I haven't covered. That's just kind of what I could think of off the top of my head. Um, so yeah, don't forget to look into preference points if that's your thing, uh, because it is that time of year. Um, moving on here, what else we got? Oh, my habitat work. I know I talked about it pretty extensively last weekend. Uh, we had a dozer or our old dozer, uh, get fixed and come back. I believe it's a 1971. I'm honestly not sure. I know it's a seventies model, early seventies. I, I want to say 1971, a uh, little John Deere. I think I might've said last week it was a 550. It's actually a 450. I figured out, um, yeah, missing most of its windows. Uh, obviously, no AC, no heat, nothing like that. Uh, but one side has one win- one of the two windows left. One side has no windows. And so I made the joke last week, if it's, if it's cold and windy, you face one direction and it blocks the wind. And if it's hot, you face the other direction and lets the wind in. Um, it also lets branches in, I discovered. Got poked in the face several times clearing cedar trees. Uh, but guys, I had a ball. I ran it for six hours straight. Um, and basically like, like I, I mentioned a few weeks ago, I had, you know, five or six spots I was wanting to clear and work on for, you know, bedding areas and stuff. And my goal for this year was to get two of those cleared. I basically got like 80% of the stuff cleared that I wanted to. Now there's always more I could do obviously. Um, but just kind of basically I improved my hunting a whole heck of a lot by the work I did on Saturday in just six hours. Um, like I said, I mean, it was mostly just cedar trees. I'm pretty much an expert at using the corner of my blade, popping those things out. And even with a small dozer, it's just not very hard to take cedar trees out. And so save myself a whole bunch of time and a whole bunch of chainsaw work. Uh, got a bunch cleared. Um, I, uh, man, I did some in draws. I did some on the side of the hills. I did some in the bottom of the canyon where I'm trying to make a nice big thick bedding area down there. Been working on it for two or three years now. Um, and I basically tripled it in size in just like two or three hours uh so yeah very excited about that and then that is rolling into this coming weekend which i also talked about we are going to do some controlled burns it was actually my brother's idea uh man i i love the thought of controlled burns it just flat out scares me if i'm being honest and um i think i've mentioned on here back in college i was actually a wildland firefighter so i'm actually pretty darn trained and knowledgeable on controlled burns but I think I have enough knowledge that that's why it scares me because I know what can go wrong. Uh, so yeah, but I'm very excited about it. My brother and I will be there. Uh, my wife is going to come out. My buddy Kelly is going to come help us and also bring his drone. Uh, so yeah, we're going to get some cool footage. Uh, I was trying to do some filming last weekend while I was you know doing all the clearing and stuff because I want to make a cool video for you guys. I know I talk about videoing all the time and it never gets done. Uh, but I, I'm trying my best to kind of video what I'm doing, why I'm doing, and hopefully someday we'll make a nice cool YouTube video of, you know, all the changes I've made to the ranch and then hopefully, you know, roll it into hunting season and how that has affected the deer and the deer herd and uh, hopefully, you know, progressed. Um, so yeah, lots of exciting stuff basically. So did a bunch of clearing. Uh, this weekend, we're going to do a bunch of burning. We're going to burn all those cedar trees uh, that I pulled up. We're going to burn some grass. We're going to burn some you know brushy draws and stuff and just turn our little piece of heaven into a complete paradise. That's our goal. Um, so yeah, like I said, had a lot to get out in that intro. I think that's pretty much it. Uh, yeah, sorry if you guys uh, just thought I was rambling along, but I'm very passionate about this stuff if you can't tell, so... So yeah, that's going to wrap it up for the intro. Uh, this week we have a great, uh, awesome guest, Andrew Mack. Uh, Andrew came by came by the booth at the Backwoods show a few weeks ago and was basically like, hey, you like hearing Big Buck stories? And I said, yes, I do. And so uh, I got his information from him, gave him a call a couple days ago, and uh, he said he was more than willing to come on and talk to us today. So that's what we've got in store for you guys this week. I hope you guys are ready for it. Just a nice, fun story session this week. So... Yeah, that's it for me. I'm going to get out of here. I'm going to go shoot my bow. Here is my podcast with Andrew Mack. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the show this week. And today I got Andrew Mack on the phone. How you doing, Andrew? I'm doing good, man. How are you? I'm doing just fine. And uh, you were working late today. Uh, why don't you tell everybody a little bit, uh, or I'm sorry, just who you are and what you do and what you've been up to. Yeah, so... Uh... Like you said, my name's Andrew Mack. I'm from Pushman, Tahoe County, um, and uh, I own a general uh, contracting company called Mack Creed LLC, and 
we do general construction, general contracting. Um, today, specifically, we're leaving Hoachtown where we're doing a project, and so we um, we build homes and, and remodels and, and you name it. We uh, we contract it and, and take care of it for people. So that's that's what our company does. Awesome. Awesome man, doing construction around Hochitown. I don't envy you there. <laughs> That's a it's a booming place, but I'm sure it's hard to get stuff up. Uh, you know, just materials and stuff around there. It is. I I, expl- I explained to a homeowner yesterday that um, she she is from a uh, city. She lived in Tulsa for a while. Now she lives in Washington State. But I was explaining to her the difference between you know construction construction work in rural America versus construction work in the city, you know, you have a plumbing problem. You live in the city, you have a plumbing problem and you have, you pull out the, the, you, you get on Google and you type in plumbers and, you know, 57 or <laughs> so pop up on your screen. Mm-hmm. You know, you do that in Hotstown and seven pop up on your mm-hmm. screen. And if those seven are, are hooked up, you, you just wait. Yep. So, Construction in rural America is just completely different than construction in in mm-hmm. cities, and so um, people that are building there and in in these rural areas are really realizing that yeah. they're they're having to come to an understanding. It that's not what they're used to, but mm-hmm. it's it's just because there's more demand than there is supply. Right, and so um, there's a lot of building going on, just not as many people to be able to service mm-hmm. that. And so, um, so yeah, it can be it can be uh, a challenge mm-hmm. working in in Hoechstown or any rural part of Southeast Oklahoma. Yep, no Home Depot down the street either. If you need, you know, a fitting or something. So uh, that's exactly right. Mm-hmm. Well, cool, man. Well, uh, you uh, came by the booth at the Backwoods Show a few weeks ago and uh, and asked if I liked hearing Big Buck stories, and of course I do. And so I'm excited to have you on and and listen to a couple. And I really enjoy these uh, episodes because it makes my job pretty easy. So uh, I like to just kick back and listen to the stories along with all our listeners. And so um, I'm pretty much just going to hand it over to you at this point, and I'll chime in if I got a question. But uh, yeah, feel free to just take off and uh, tell us about uh, tell some Big Buck stories. Yeah, so I, I, the first one I'll tell you is the, the, the buck I shot this past fall during rifle season. So um, my mother-in-law, they own a few hundred acres in western Oklahoma. Um, and, you know, probably 15 years ago, there, you know, there just wasn't many deer where she was at. And it's just in the last five or six years, it's just really exploded. And there's just, there's just a lot of deer. Mm-hmm. and uh the hunting has gotten pretty good and, and so we uh we've been you know we go out there for for uh um, thanksgiving and christmas and so I, I always go hunt but the last few years I've, I've just been seeing quite a few more deer and so it's just intrigued me to kind of uh put that on my calendar to go you know as as an option to be able to kill a decent buck and mm-hmm. and uh we <clears throat> on our lease down here in Pushwatawa County, we're just covered up in hogs. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's unbelievable the of of hogs that we have to the point that they they really have messed up our deer hunting this past year. We probably shot, I would say, forty to fifty, just going out there deer hunting mm-hmm. during deer season. I mean, it's not uncommon to see seventy hogs. You'll see thirty in a in a bunch here and 30 over there i mean they're just they're just covered up <laughs> on our lease and so they had a lot of our deer pushback and i didn't see very many deer this past year hmm. and so when we went to uh thanksgiving i was like well maybe i'll have a chance to uh shoot a buck because I, I only had one decent shooter deer um during bow season he had got downwind of me about 40 yards he was actually it was kind of weird i rattled him up he kind of, instead of coming straight downwind, I kind of had him pinched with a creek, but um, instead of coming straight downwind, he's kind of cross-cutting the wind on me. And I had him, I was about halfway stood up out of my tree stand trying to reach for my bow when he stopped, and, and he just turned and kind of walked um, quarter of the way away from me, and I never did see him again. He was probably a 135-inch deer, mm-hmm. and uh, but I was thinking of shooting with my bow. Mm-hmm. He was mature. And so that was the only shooter buck I was even remotely around, uh, 
up until rifle season. And, you know, and it, it was it's not uncommon for us to go in a sitting see 15 or 20 deer on our lease. And we were, I was going and not seeing anything. And, um, but hogs. <laughs> and so, mm-hmm. um, we go out there for Thanksgiving and we get out there like at two o'clock and the wind, it's warm, the wind's blowing out of the south. And, but they have this big green field on the back side of their place. And I was like, I'm just going to go to the north side of this place and just kind of sit there and I, and, and wait till it gets, you know, kind of dusky dark. And I'm just going to kind of ease my way towards that green field and see if I can find, see anything on it. And those, those deer just feed out to that green field in the evenings. And so I jumped the buck on the north side on my way. I get out there about three thirty, jump this buck up. Um, and so I was like, well, may I, I be my only op- <laughs> that might be my only chance right there. And I blew him out on my way in. So I sit there and it's, I'm sweating because it's hot. I'm like, I'm not going to see nothing out here. And it gets about, I don't know, 45 minutes before, uh, you can't shoot. And so I, I start heading off to that green field and it walks down in this creek. And, uh, as I, as I'm out of this creek, there's a, there's an old plum thicket and I see these two doe get, and, uh, and I, I guess they just, they didn't, they were looking at me, but that, they thought they were hidden that thing. They're probably 40 yards to my right. And I'm just kind of watching them and I'm eating. And, uh, that greenfield's about 200 yards from me and, and when i come up out of that creek i'm, I'm really concentrating on those does i hadn't looked up that greenfield yet but when i got even with them i looked up to that greenfield and uh it's kind of on a little knoll and i see this really big body deer and i was like that's got to be a buck and so uh he throws his head up and it, it's a it's a nice it's a nice buck i don't know exactly how big he is at this point but um, i know he's like he's a shooter deer but he's still like 200 yards from me and I've got these does to my right. And I'm like, I don't know what, what I'm going to do because I'm going to blow these suckers out of here. And if I blow those does out, he's, he's, if they take off running and blow and I'll blow him out too. <clears throat> and so I get this tree between me and him and I'm just taking two or three steps at a time, trying to just ease and get as close as I can to him. And he's throwing his head up and he's looking, he's looking around and, and, and he caught me moving, but I guess it was because I was behind that big tree. He could tell it was something. Um, but he also, I believe he knew those does were down there in that thicket. And I don't know if he just thought that it was one of them moving around because he really couldn't tell what I was. And the wind's in my face. I get to about 150 yards, and I'm like, I'm going to have to do something. He's kind of walking away. And so I hit my grunt, and it's, it's not loud enough for him to hear it. And so... I snort wheezed at him. And when I snort wheezed at him, he throws his head up and he turns around and uh, gets facing towards me. And I hit my grunt. And when I did, he comes in a straight, I mean, he comes in a straight line, jumps fence, comes 150. I'm watching through my scope and I shoot him at 30 yards off the ground, right in the chest. And he drops in his tracks. I go back get the tractor, come back, loading up, because this is like, it's probably a half a mile from their house. Mm-hmm. And so I'll get tractor, load him up, come back. And he was, uh, he was all kinds of beat up. His neck, he was rutted out. He had cut, he was cut all over his neck from fighting. He'd been fighting everything in the woods, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, he had about 15 inches broke off of him. His back right G2 was snapped off. He had some kind of non-typical thing on between his g1 and his g2 on his right side that was broke off he had a kicker broke he had four points broke off and i say 15 inches that's just kind of a rough Mm -hmm. estimate um um so he he had 10 to 15 inches broke off off on him and uh he he scored 136 with all of that broke off him Mm -hmm. he had uh 40 inches of mass his mass measurements on his left side was five 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 and four and a half and his right side was five, 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 and five. Mm. And so, but he was only like 14 or 15 inches wide. Um, he carried, he got all the score from how heavy his horns are. Yeah. And so, um, but it was just a cool hunt. It was a cool hunt to snort weeds mm-hmm. and get him to respond. We, on our lease in, in Pusher Talk County, 
we we have a, I've always had really good luck rattling up the deer, mm-hmm. um, and so they're real responsive. Um, I've snort wheezed at deer, um, and but not had them respond like he did. I mean, he which you know I think he I think those does that was in that thicket I think those were his I think they were his does, and so I think that what he when he saw me moving caught glimpses of me moving behind that tree and that snort wheeze i think he thought it was another buck down there with those does because he knew they were there and he was just pissed and he was going to come down there and fight mm-hmm. and uh you know and like i said it was just awesome to watch him watch him respond come almost 200 yards watch him through my scope and just i mean i wish i'd had my bow because i could have mm-hmm. killed him with my bow just as easy because he had yeah. no clue i was there i mean he, he he had no clue what hit him when i shot him and uh and at 30 yards it, it was just awesome because I just to watch him come that far. It was almost like like a turkey hunt, you know. Um, you're calling a turkey, and you call him from two or three hundred yards. You get to watch him come in. Um, that's the way it was with this buck. So it was just it was just a cool hunt. He was big, mature buck, old, beat up, just a warrior. And so uh, you know, I wish he hadn't had over a 150 if he hadn't had everything busted off. But I, I was still happy with him. Yeah, man, that mass sounds crazy uh i don't know what it, it seems like we just don't get that mass in southeastern oklahoma i feel like you hear about that more out west uh you know west texas western oklahoma the more dry areas um but man that's cool i've uh i've never snort wheezed at a deer i've always wanted to i've just never really had the situation uh but it, it just seems like such a awesome tactic I probably overcall, honestly. I probably do. I call a lot, but I've had a lot of, I've had a lot of luck calling, grunting, rattling, bleating. I, I've had, I've had a lot of luck doing that, man. And, I, and if somebody went and hunted with me, they'd probably go, "You call too much." But I mean, I've had, like I said, I've had a lot of luck doing it. Um, I've rattled up lots of deer. I mean, I've, I've, I've killed, I've killed like a dozen deer over 130 inches in my life, mm-hmm. and. Mm-hmm. And so it's, uh, and, and a lot of them was, was called, you know, rattled. Um, I, I've called in a lot of deer. I, I had a cool hunt, uh, and back in 2018, the deer wasn't very big. He probably didn't score a hundred. I don't know. I never did put a tape on him. He's probably 120 inches, maybe 125, but, um, it was opening day of muzzleloader and I had not got to go out and do much hunting and, uh, but muzzleloader is my black powder is my favorite. I kill more big deer during black powder than I do any other time, mm-hmm. and and I just like the style of hunting. I just I don't know. I just I like black powder, and uh, I hadn't got to hunt much, and it was real it was real crisp and cool that opening morning uh, of black powder in eighteen, and I I didn't even have I hadn't even went out and got my stands right, so I didn't even have anywhere to go sit. I was like I'm gonna take my horns and I'm gonna go sit on the ground. I have there's this spot behind this uh, pond on our lease. My brother shot 147-inch 11-point there um, in the same spot. And, and I went with a muzzleloader. Um, we, uh, uh, I had my horns. I sat down under this cedar tree, and uh, I rattled, and this little spike comes out. And then this other spike comes out. And they're at, right at daylight, and they're out there sparring out in front of me at like 20 yards. And so <laughs> they kind of they kind of play around for probably five or ten minutes, and they walk off. And I wait till that sun gets up pretty good, and then I hit my horns again, and I hear something just just I mean it's just running through the woods. I'm like, ah, there comes a buck, and he's coming from my left. And it's weird because he wasn't coming downwind. And every other deer I've ever rattled up, they come downwind. I mean, they they have 100 percent time. He didn't, and uh, he comes running up. Susie, I mean, I know he's a shooter deer. You can just tell. You can just tell. Uh, he's a mature buck. I come around. I shoot him at about 25 yards off the ground, right in the chest. He runs 40 yards and piles up. And uh, he is just ancient. I mean, I could send you a pic. I mean, he's just this ancient deer. Uh, he's probably nine years old. He's going downhill. Again, he was beat up. and But his rack is just this cool-looking, just... I don't know. It, it, it's nothing impressive, but it's just a cool looking set of horns. He was a cool buck. It was a cool hunt. And, uh, 
I mean, we I've had a lot of luck being able to rattle uh, with deer here. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Yeah, I don't know why. I guess I'm just always afraid I'm going to screw it up. I don't. I probably don't call enough. Um, the only mature buck that I've ever really successfully called in, uh, I grunted in a buck that it was actually the buck I was in there trying to kill. Uh, but he came in, he came into like 10 yards from my tree, but he had broken off his whole like left side. And so uh, I ended up letting him walk and I, I shot him the next year with my bow. So it was worth it. Uh, but, uh, you know, I've called in smaller bucks and stuff, but, uh, I've, I've tried rattling a little bit. Um, I've tried, you know, I'll, I'll grunt at a deer, but usually only if I see it, you know, just try to get it to come closer or something. Uh, but that's definitely something that I need to do more. I, I probably need to do more calling. Yeah, I you know I think when it when the time's right, I don't know that you can overcall when the time's right. I mean, it, it's one of those deals. I, I I've rattled and and I, and I have rattled and run deer off. I, I've done that, you know. Um, but I've called more in than I've run off with it. And so when that when the time's right, I mean you can't uh, I mean you can't beat it. It's uh, a yeah. uh, which. You know, we went to a uh, Kansas is known for for the deer being real aggressive and, and being a state that you can rattle in a lot. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, I know that uh, uh, I went to a uh, my daughter went got drew out where Choctaw. She got drew out to go to that hunt, that little doe hunt they do at Choctaw Ranch at uh, mm-hmm. Daisy. And when the biologist was there he was talking about how that actually the strain of deer that we have here in southeast oklahoma are a kansas strain um which doesn't make a lot of sense as far as the mass stuff goes Mm -hmm. but he said that when they when they were bringing them in um when they were bringing them in and uh back years ago that that's where they come from and so that's i've always thought that maybe that's why the deer down here are pretty uh uh attentive and, and responsive to uh aggressive calling tactics because like i said i've had really good luck with it over the years yeah mm-hmm. i'd believe that I, I feel like our body size is pretty good down here too like i feel like we have some pretty dang big bodied bucks and stuff so i i definitely believe that yeah, it, you know, we have on our on our lease on our lease down here. What we have a a lot of, we have a lot of just really tall, long, kind kind of spindly horn type. Uh, you know, they don't carry a lot of mass, but they make it mm-hmm. all up in hind length and main beam length. You know, yeah. Um, that I mean, I've got. I've got a couple of deer that, that have 12 and 13 inch G2s on them, you know, just really long times. And, but like, like I was talking about with the deer I shot out in Western Oklahoma, I, I think his back times were, I think his G G2s were like nine inches or 10 inches. You know, they, they wasn't, uh, that wasn't what was, uh, uh, uh made him what he was, what made him what he was, how heavy he was. So, you know, if he if he didn't have all that mass, if he hadn't had all the mass, I wouldn't have shot him anyways. The mass <laughs> is what when he's walking up, it's like okay, uh, that's a shooter deer um, mm-hmm. because of how heavy horned he was. Yeah, yeah, hmm. yeah. Finding that buck that has both—that's the challenge. <laughs> a lot that, of that, a lot of heavy, yeah, a lot of a lot of short tined, heavy horned, and then a lot of long tined with no mass. So. Yeah, when you get those, you get in those. That's when you get those booners, man. When you get oh, them, yeah. when you have one of those, that's when you have, that's when you have the booners right there, which, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> that's, uh, you know, I can, I can count on one hand how many booners I've seen in my entire life. And I hunt yeah. a lot. You know, there's mm-hmm. just, there's just not that many of them. And yeah. if somebody has the opportunity to get one, they, they're very fortunate. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They're not I running around everywhere. Be- no, they're not. I got one that's going to be pretty close to that that I've been after for, uh, gosh, I don't know, three, four years now. But uh, he he doesn't live on our place. Like, I get, you know, some pictures yeah. of him every year, always at night. 
And so I, 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 the reason he's not my number one buck I'm after is because I know the chances of me killing him are pretty dang slim. Uh, you right. know, there is a chance, but, uh, but yeah, it's, man, it's getting a picture of him compared to the picture of the bucks I normally get. Like, you know, it's him right away. You know, it's him. Yeah. I, I, I shot a deer like that in 2000 and I guess it would have been eight, 2008. I was bow hunting and which I guess they're back like kind of on the scene again. Do you remember Crimson Talon broadheads? Uh, yeah, yeah. So, and I've seen something about them again the other day. I thought maybe they wasn't even around anymore. So Uh at the time I was doing some, I was doing some filming and the, uh, the guys that had the show I was filming with, they were sponsored by Crimson Talon. And so that's what I was shooting. And I was shooting their, what was called their black Mamba, I think is what it was called. So it was an expandable, but it wasn't a slip cam. And, uh, it was October 18th and, uh, uh, right at daylight, I get in there early bulletproof place. I'm hunting If the winds out of the North. It's bulletproof. It's just a killing stand. And <laughs> I hear these bucks fighting before, before daylight. You can't, all you can do is it, they're probably a hundred yards, maybe, maybe not even that far down through the woods. You hear them fighting. It's still dark. You can't see. And, and I hear something come running i was like oh the bucks are the one that bucks is gonna run by me and and that thing's just running and running and running and finally what i can see it is this yearling and uh it runs by me two or three times just i mean just getting just burning up <laughs> getting burned up by a buck i guess and uh getting pushed around and uh it finally runs off and about 15 minutes later i hear something walking and uh, to my right is a big cedar tree and I can see this deer through the cedar tree and then I see his horns. I'm like, oh my gosh, that is a giant buck. And so I get my bow and he's fixing it. Like the, the trail he's on, he's fixing to walk like 10 yards right under me. But when he gets past that cedar tree to my right, he angles and starts walking kind of quartered away from me. And so I was like, well, here's my shot. He's probably 30 yards. And, uh, and, I thought he was quartered harder. Looking back now, I thought he was quartered away from me harder than what he actually was. Um, mm-hmm. So I try to put in like his behind his back rib and go to his opposite side shoulder. Well, he wasn't quartered as hard as I was, as hard as I thought he was. I shoot him, I hit, and as soon as I hit him, I was like, oh my gosh. Because there was probably only eight inches of my arrow stuck in him. Mm-hmm. And and I was like, that is not good. Well, so uh, I get a buddy. We look. We find just little bits of blood, not much of anything. And five, let's see, I guess it's been five days later. It might have been seven days later. Uh, another buddy of mine and I, we had got drew, drew out for uh, McAllister to go to uh, the traditional shoot there. And my brother was hunting, not in my stand, but kind of in a general, same general area. And he had shot a buck with his bow. And uh, he had told me about this buck. It wasn't a big buck. But he told me, he goes, that buck kind of run up there where last place you saw yours. And I was like, and I'd made the statement. I was like, well, maybe you'll find my deer. Mm-hmm. And so um, uh, he calls me a couple hours later. He goes, he goes, you'll never guess what. And I was like, did you find my deer? And he was like, no, I saw it. And I was like, what do you mean? How do you know you saw my deer? You don't even know what it looks like. He goes, he still has your arrow stuck in him. Oh, and man. my my brother had jumped him up in a clear cut with a doe. And he goes, he goes, he wasn't 30 yards from me when I jumped him up. And he goes, I was thinking, what is, he goes, what is that? He goes, then I realized it was your arrow flopping. It had worked its way out, and it was just sticking under the skin, and it was just flopping. And that broadhead was still stuck inside, and he goes, all the fletchings was off of it. So I guess he was reaching back and biting it, pulling on it, you know? And he had bit all the fletchings off of it, trying to bite on it. And uh, so that was like five days later, and then a, a local game warden named Eric Barnes, um, he had 
actually helped me look for that buck when I shot it because I'd went over on the county the county road. He'd come by and he goes, "What are you doing?" And I was like, "I'm looking for my deer." And he got out and helped me look for him. Um, he told me later that about a month later, he had a big buck when he was going through there one night, crossed the road in front of him and it had a big wound on its side right there in the same mm. place we were looking for that deer. So it was the same buck. I never saw yeah. him again, but he, he's probably the, the only buck I've ever shot that I would say was probably close to being a boon. Um, mm-hmm. he was, he was a true giant deer. That's what my brother said. He goes, I watched him run for 400 yards across that clear cut. And he said, he's the biggest buck I've ever seen out here. And I, mm-hmm. I shot him at 25, 30 yards and just screwed the pooch on him. Man. <laughs> like, and yeah. and par- part of it too, which I, that at that time, and I could never, part of it was my shot placement. I will own that 100%. But I honestly think that that broadhead I was shooting because of my angle, see, I think it deployed one side of that expandable. And mm. and I see, I think my arrow lost a lot of its kinetic energy because I think that one side hit open mm. and then your arrow just kind of torques to the side mm. um, because those things don't. That's why, they, that's why people start going to slip cam. And when that happened, I went back to fixed blade. Um, and I, I still shoot fixed blade a lot. But um, I do shoot the swacker some. Uh, Hank Parker hunted with me in 2017. He hunted for five days with me down here. Worst mm-hmm. five days of hunting I've ever had. But um, he <laughs> he kind of he kind of uh, uh, made me a believer. I, I like them. Um, they're pretty yeah. good broadhead. I feel, feel like. Yeah. Now, did you say you and your brother drew the McAllister hunt, or just you, or just him? No, just me, just me. Oh. me my, we, I, I went up there a couple times. Um, okay, we we went out, we went out and hunted a couple times. Well, I'm jealous already because I've been putting in for that sucker, never drawn it. <laughs> and uh, uh, yeah, you got any stories from there? Um, no, and I, I will, I will tell you what to prepare for though. Yeah, is, if you don't draw out, okay. So their buck to doe ratio is so good. They're mm-hmm. rut like five to seven days max, and it's over and done with. Like, like mm. second week, first second week of December, their bucks are all back grouped up. Really? Like huh. they, they're, they're, yes, because they're because it's managed so well. They don't mm-hmm. have any. They don't have that second rut. They don't have. Because the only reason that people talk about the second rut, well, all that is is the does are going to cycle every 28 days. They're going to come back in again, and they're going to mm-hmm. do that. I have personally seen deer chase in March. I've seen bucks with horns chasing does in March. And what that is is every 28 days they're coming back in, and, and when there's so many does and they, they keep cycling estrus, those bucks still produce testosterone. And, and, and so when that's happening – they're keeping their horns on their head into February and March. And it's a sign that you have too many does. And, and so they're, as long as those does keep coming in, they're going to keep charging and keep trying to breathe. But when that, when that, when that ratio gets down there, see that, that rut's going to be five to seven days. It's going to peak really hard. And then it's going to go down really fast. And then it's going to be over. And that's the way McAllister is. If you don't draw those money weeks, and you don't hit those like two weeks in the first part of November, it is hard, hard hunting. And and taking calls, you might as well leave them in your truck, man. Yeah. Because those deer have been called at by 10,000 people. They don't respond to anything on that base. Gotcha. Gotcha. So that, that's, my, now, that's, my, that's my advice. Yeah. Um, are you allowed to take tree stands in there or is it all, everybody just pretty much hunt from the ground? No, you take tree stands in there. You can take climbers. Gotcha. You, you can take, you can take lock ons, whatever, you know, um, uh, you, you know, you just go try. And the thing is people, people go, well, you know, I'm gonna go find, I got to find me a good place. You can go anywhere. There's deer everywhere on that place. <laughs> like, like, you know, it, it's one of those deals. no matter where you go you're finding deer trails you know right yeah but those early hunts it's hot and and it's just it's not they're not good i know lots of people who went early and they just 
there's just not a lot of it's a fun experience but mm-hmm. but but like the idea that you're going to go down there and kill early like yeah it's probably not you, you might kill a doe but but as far as killing a buck it's it's just a that's one of those deals of of somebody who goes down there early and kills a big buck they were lucky it wasn't because they was good you know yeah so gotcha gotcha well cool uh man looking at the time here i think we got time for one more story if you got another good one um yeah i'll I'll tell you about my i'll tell you probably one of the coolest hunts man you know i like i said i've had i've had the blessings to kill a lot of a lot of nice bucks over the years and and but in 2020, um, I got to take my, uh, my oldest daughter on her, uh, and be with her when she killed her first buck. And, uh, that was probably the most fun of any, any hunt I've ever had watching her shoot her first buck. And, and, uh, and what was cool about it, we'd been seeing this deer for, and he, he was, he was just a, a two year old. He might been three, but I don't think he's probably two, but he was an eight point about 15, six, or anything I ever killed for my first. And, uh, <laughs> um, he was a night, he's on the wall. He's, he's just a nice eight point, you know, probably 110 mm-hmm. inches or something like that. Mm-hmm. And, uh, mm-hmm. um, we had seen him three days in a row, but he kept skirting in a thicket, you know, and I wasn't letting having her shoot but about 40 or 50 yards we had this little two man and and it, we just had this basically just a couple of shooting lanes that they didn't walk through there you know she wasn't gonna get shot he he had walked in 50 60 yards of us but just stayed in the thicket and, and uh the morning she killed him we got it was cold and uh, she had been she had been getting up three or four days i was proud of her because she was you know even for me after about three or four days of getting up early it's kind of like man do i even want to get up and, uh, mm-hmm. and so we get up and go and, and it's crisp. And I knew I was like, today is going to be a good day because when it's going to be, it's going to be cold, but man, when that sun gets up and the deer are going to get out and start sunning, it's going to be a good day. And right after daylight, there was this spike come and that sucker walks right under our tree. And, uh, Ken, my daughter, she goes, can I shoot him? I was like, you can. But I was like, you know, I think we ought to wait. I said, it, it's going to be good morning. I said, let's just, let's just wait and see what happens. Because where we were at, there was honestly a chance to be a really a, a, a big buck. And uh, so I was like, let's just wait and see. Because I had my grapple too. And so, um, <laughs> and so that, that spot kind of wins us and, and turns around and walks off and, and uh, he walks into a little cane break, and as soon as he disappears, I'm watching him disappear, and I hear her go, ooh. And I turned around, and hit that eight point we had seen for three mornings in a row, he's walking. He's about to walk right into her shooting lane. And uh, he's just he's just feeding. And uh, and where he's walking, it's a 40-yard shot, and it's going to be as tailor-made as you can have. And, and, uh, he, and I said, listen, I said, when he gets in that open, I said, I'll bleed at him. I said, you shoot him. She said, okay. And she's shooting a little 223. <clears throat> and he gets there, and I, I kind of, man, and, uh, he stops, and she shoots, and he jumps, and kicks, and takes off running. And I thought when he took off running, it looked like the blood on him was way far forward. And uh, I was like, I don't know, sis. I was like, I think I think he hit him in the brisket, like forward, in, front, in the front of the shoulder. She's like, no, Dad. She said, I shot him right behind the shoulder. I was like, okay. I said, it's, it's all right. Cause he turned, he run uphill into this thicket. And uh, this the thicket is not, it's a cedar thicket, what it is. Mm-hmm. He runs up in there and you can hear him. And I hear him stop. And I'm kind of waiting to hear him like crash, you know, or fall over some. Well, then I hear stuff. Like it sounds like he took off running again. And that's when I got really concerned. I was like, man, if he stopped up there. And then took off running again, like I with that little caliber gun. I don't know about this, and uh, that's what I'm thinking. I'm not telling her that. But that's what that's what I'm thinking. Mm-hmm. And uh, um, we sit we sit there for probably five or ten minutes, and uh, and I hear something coming. I get my gun up, and I'm like, "Oh, another buck's coming," and I look, and it's limping, and then I get another look, and it's him. 
and he had just made it. He'd went up there and made a big circle and come right back around. And I was going to have her shoot him again. And I'm watching my scope and he just falls over, not <laughs> 20 yards from where she shot him to begin with. And, and, uh, we get down and we get over and she, she had, she double lung that sucker. I mean, it's just <laughs> perfect shot exit uh-huh. wound. And I bet he lived 15 minutes. Huh. I, I, it was crazy. I mean, he ran, he ran probably a hundred yards, lived 15 minutes and she had double lung that deer. Uh, it, it was nuts, but he, he, yeah. he come back and died within, within, you know, 20 yards of, and it, what was, was funny. I, I shot, uh, I shot this buck. It was just this funky looking buck in muzzleloader that year, just down the Creek from where we had shot him. And, uh, I, I shot that, I shot him with my muzzleloader and he'd run up in that same thicket, in that same cedar thicket. And I'd went and got my dad to help me look for him. Cause I knew I, I was like, I don't know about this shot. And uh, so my daughter Camden had went with me and uh, she didn't want to cross the Creek. And so she stayed on, she stayed on the truck side of the Creek. Dad and I crossed the back there where my friend was. And, and what was funny was uh, my dad was walking down this, fence this fence row where all these cedars was and and uh, i was back behind him about 40 yards looking for blood and i i just I was like dad we need to turn around and go back and my dad my dad said what'd you say and he's standing beside this big cedar big cedar like it's probably like you know the limb is probably 20 foot from one side of the limb to the other and uh um i hear all this crashing and i was like dad you jumped up my buck and he, he's like i did my dad can't hear very well because he's all he's uh-huh. older and he wasn't he wasn't 20 foot from that buck because it was he was bedded up in the cedar tree and it took off running was crashing breaking limbs he had no clue that it was running that it was running through those woods and uh, and uh and so i take off running through the woods and i could shoot him one i had a chance to shoot him but i i was like i I didn't know exactly where I was on the Creek and where my daughter was and things like mm-hmm. that. So I can't shoot. And, and yeah. cause I, I, you know, turned around the woods and I was like, I don't know mm-hmm. exactly where I'm at. So I was like, Oh crap. I'm just gonna have to keep chasing him. Cause he was all hobbled up. He wasn't going to go anywhere. Mm-hmm. And so yeah. I get down, I get back to the Creek. Well, I was about a hundred yards. I was about a hundred yards down the Creek from where Camden was. And when I come up on the Creek, She's down there to my right about 100 yards, but he's crossed the creek, but he he had crashed and was laying there looking at me. I had to, I had to, I had to put another shot in him to finish him off type thing. But uh, what was so funny was my daughter had no clue that that was the deer I had shot. She was just sitting there waiting on us to get back, and she sees this buck come through the woods and cross the creek she goes dad i stopped him she goes i went meh like that she goes that's the reason he stopped i was like well i was like i appreciate that but i think he stopped because he had a bullet in him i said i think but but that was that all happened in the same within 100 yards where she shot hers and i shot that buck but it just cracked that story cracks me up about my dad mm. <laughs> 20 foot from that breaking limbs and crashing. My dad had no clue. He jumped him up, you know? <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. Oh man, that's great. <laughs> well, Andrew, I can officially say you, uh, you came through on your promise. You told us plenty of big buck stories and I appreciate it. So. Yeah, man, I, I've got, I've got a hundred more, man. <laughs> uh-huh. well, well, we might have to do round two sometime. So, uh, but uh, yeah, man, yeah, like man, I man. said, I I really appreciate it. Um, I don't know if you want to or not. I don't know if you're you're on social media or something and want to shout out your your pages or not. Um, or if you want to shout out your business, if, if anybody's in the area and needs to build a house or something, uh, just let people know where they can find you. Yeah, man, it's just just go to Mac Creek LLC um, on Facebook, and that's um, we have we have a lot of pretty good following on there and a lot of pictures and and uh anybody can reach out and and uh touch base and we uh we do a lot of new construction and try to service southeast oklahoma awesome awesome well andrew this has been great i like i said i really appreciate you coming on and uh maybe we'll have to do it again sometime yeah man i appreciate you asking me buddy Mm -hmm. all righty man well you have a good one and we'll talk to you later 
All right, thanks. Bye-bye. And with that, another great episode in the books. Thank you, Andrew, for coming on. Thanks for stopping by the booth a few weeks ago and talking to me for a little bit and uh, and just having the courage to reach out to me and, and uh, coming on the show. So if you're listening to this and you got a big buck story of your own, feel free to reach out to me because you never know what could happen. Might have you on as a guest. Um, one thing I forgot in my intro that I wanted to be sure to cover. So this episode is going to come out Monday. Oh, I just looked it up. Monday, March 28th. That weekend, or this coming weekend, when you're listening to this, is the Total Archery Challenge up in Broken Bow that I've been talking about for a few weeks now. Uh, I'm going to be there in some capacity. I've yet to figure out what that is. Um, I might bring my trad bow and shoot the course. Uh, I, I threw it out to a couple buddies of mine, and they all have stuff already. Um, but I, I want to be there somehow, some way. So uh, I might even just pull the boat up there, hang out in the parking lot for a while, and then go fishing. But I'm going to be around, so if you're going to be there, please reach out to me. Let me know. I'd love to meet you. Um, maybe grab some pizza at the Grateful Head there in uh, Hochtown. Um, but yeah, regardless of whether you want to meet me or not, you should just come out and, and do the course there at the Total Archery Challenge. Um, I believe they have three different courses, so they have kind of a, a beginner, an intermediate, and an expert. Um, I think the expert goes out to like 120 yards maybe, uh, you know, more challenging shots and stuff. And then uh, the medium one is like out to 60 yards, something like that. And then they have kind of a more beginner course too. So, uh, yeah, there's something for everybody. Bring your friends. Head out to Broken Bow this weekend and join us at the Total Archery Challenge. So that's it for me this week. I uh, really appreciate you guys once again. I uh, kind of hinted at, um, a few weeks ago about maybe potentially having some partners coming out. Still in talks behind the scenes, uh, but I think we're going to get a few of those nailed down pretty quickly. So look forward to that. Look forward to new episodes. And that's all I got for you guys this week. So thanks again for listening. And once again, this is the Oklahoma Outdoors podcast. I will talk Talk to you guys next week.